Hello and welcome to Ashurst Legal Outlook in this special mini-series on women in tech. My name is Danae Engelbrecht and I'm a senior associate in Ashurst's digital economy team. In today's episode, we talk with Shanice Anike, who I worked with in digital economy and who's now an associate commercial counsel at DeepMind. In our discussions, Shanice talks about her transition from practice to a new in-house role at DeepMind. Along the way, we talk to her about what has changed since she moved in-house, her journey leading up to the change, and most importantly, the importance of meaningful work. And here's our conversation. So Shanice, it's great to see you. It's been much too long. Thank you for sitting down with us. You know, I I think we last saw each other pre-pandemic. Why don't you tell us a bit about how your careers changed since leaving Ashurst? Yeah, no worries. And it's lovely to be here chatting to you today. Um, So I left Ashurst in March 2021. Um, So still in the midst of the pandemic. Um, And I took about a month's break before starting at IBM. So I was doing contracting there for almost a year. Um, And then just in January, um, I joined at DeepMind, which is the artificial intelligence company, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit more later. Um, So it's been about a month now. So that's what's been happening for me. And so, I mean, how has your career changed since you've made your way in-house? Yeah, so I think it has changed quite a bit. I think um, in one way, as much as we do such a great job in private practice at being commercially focused, and I think unless you're in the business itself, you know, seeing the commercial issues, the operational issues play out firsthand, you're just not as able to have a 360 uh, commercial view. Also in private practice, as we'll probably talk about a bit later, you know, you're more focused on focusing on the risks and what is a big risk for, for your client or for your, your business. And I think it can make it a little harder to see the bigger picture and see the people in the business that are just saying, I want to do this project, I want to do that. And I think, um, so for me, actually seeing that firsthand has made me more commercially focused. Um, I think it's made me more strategic. You know, I found that I've had uh, a lot of opportunity to think strategically. Um, The business has a number of different goals and I'm thinking about what strategies I can put in place to help the the legal team uh, to meet those goals. Also, variety, something that I think uh, we'll talk about a bit later is your role can just be very varied. Um, You are dealing with anything that the business has issues with um, rather than dealing with the particular practice area uh, in private practice um, that you're in. And and yes, I think when you're in the commercial team at Ashurst or, you know, the digital economy team, there are loads of tech matters that you're dealing with. You know, there's a lot of variety. Um, And then I think that variety has increased when you go in-house because it's not just the tech issues in the tech area. It's also the real estate issues. It's also the employment issues. um, It's also potentially the finance issues in conjunction with the finance team. Um, So there's a lot of variety, I'd say, and that's what's struck me as as quite different um, to private practice. And I think also just going back to the commercial point, when you're in-house, you have to be more commercially minded and strategic because of the wide variety of things. You, you can't focus a lot of time on sort of one thing. You have to pick what's the, what are the big issues? What are the big blockers? 
and let's deal with those and move on to the next. It's interesting that you've had, um, you know, almost like a dual experience at both IBM and now at DeepMind. So, I mean, why don't you talk us through what your role, I suppose, at IBM and what you were doing on a day-to-day basis before we move on to DeepMind? Yeah, sure. So for uh, IBM, I was working on a project which was essentially IBM was divesting um, their managed infrastructure services business, novating a bunch of the agreements over um, to the to the new business. So the clients that were with IBM going over to the managed infrastructure um, business that was turning into a company called Kindrel. Which now leads us on to the actual exciting bit, DeepMind. So tell us what you've been up to at DeepMind. Yeah, so it's been really interesting. Um, so I am an associate commercial counsel. Um, that's what my title is. Um, and as I said, DeepMind is an artificial intelligence company. Um, so it was bought by Google in 2014. Um, and so the mission um, of DeepMind is to solve intelligence, um, to advance uh, science and benefit humanity. Um, but then its ultimate goal um, is to solve artificial general intelligence, AGI. Um, and so when we talk about AI now, when we normally talk about AI, we're always talking about um, something called artificial narrow intelligence, you know, machines that can perform tasks with human supervision, with human help instructions. Um, but what AGI is, is machines performing tasks like humans, you know, without <laughs> human help um, and on par <laughs> with humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's obviously a long term goal, um, but it's really amazing to see. So um, I'm in the commercial IP and legal operations team. Um, and so anything in that remit I deal with, and I'm still relatively new and ramping up. But um, in general t- terms, if you think about the different areas that DeepMind works in, in order to advance the goal that it has, um, which you can hear from, if you check out the DeepMind podcast, it's really cool. And we'll tell you a bunch of things that um, that we're doing. You'll hear that, you know, it works in training robots, um, collaborates with universities and research. Um, it needs com- computing power to power the machines that it has. So related to that, I'm working on a range of different commercial transactions, data license agreements, hardware agreements, uh, collaboration agreements, and, you know, advisory work on any data protection matters or uh, regulatory issues. And obviously, when you think about artificial intelligence, that brings up um, a whole host of ethical issues and queries. Um, So the plan is to get involved in that. You know, there's a whole ethical team um, at DeepMind as well to ensure that what they're doing is 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 okay. And so so, yeah, it's really awesome to get get involved in that kind of thing. And I guess what makes it really awesome is that it actually benefits society. So something I think you had a look at um, the WaveNet project, which is, you know, a model that can ingest samples of language per second, like thousands, thousands of samples, and essentially um, incorporate natural sounding speech and things like uh, lip smacking and breathing patterns that you don't generally have in in machines that, that sort of provide robotic um, help. Um, and it makes it sound more natural. And you can use that for things like the Google Assistant to make it the Google Assistant sound more natural, but you can also help people. So it's being used to help people um, who have ALS. So yeah, so that's that's an overview of DeepMind and the kind of things I'm doing. 
And that's absolutely awesome, right? Um, I mean, that was the one project as I was um, just taking a deeper look at DeepMind that I thought was pretty interesting. Because I mean, you know, I, I'm an, a voracious audiobook listener, and that's obviously stories narrated by humans. Um, and, and I often think how awesome it would be to actually, um, you know, use speech recognition just to generally be able to read text. Um, while science sounding human. Um, I mean, it, it, it's also pretty interesting, the amount of scientific research that DeepMind does. And it certainly looks like you guys have a, a, an army of highly qualified researchers and scientists doing the work, which is really exciting. Um, I suppose, Janice, what also strikes me about what you said was just, um, it, you know, the, the broad range of experience and exposure to te tech um, and, you know, tech practice that you're generally getting at DeepMind, which sounds very exciting. So um, I suppose moving on, um, I, I want to talk to you a bit about why you decided to make the move to an in-house role. Um, because I think, you know, it, it, it's something that young female lawyers, uh, junior lawyers generally, um, I suppose, contemplate at least once in their careers. So do you want to talk us through your experience, what your thought process was at the time, I suppose, um, and why you ultimately decided to move from practice to an in-house role? Yeah, sure. So I'd say there were a number of reasons. Um, so one being, you know, I enjoyed and learned so much from Ashurst and I joined the digital economy team, which is the, the team that you're in, um, at a time when the team was changing from being called the TMT team uh, to being called the digital economy team. And, you know, this this happened as a result of two partners. So Nick Elverston and Amanda Hill coming over from Herbert Smith, you know, who saw how much the need for you know, tech was impacting a wide range of companies. Um, you know, several companies were looking to digitalize and the aim was for the digital economy team to be at the forefront of those digital transformations for clients. And so I had an incredible experience working with companies on their digital transformation strategies and, you know, really understanding um, where, where businesses were moving. Um, but I really had the desire to work for one company where I was really passionate about what they did and their mission and their tech solution. Um, and I really wanted to be part of a business where I could be part of the projects from start to finish. You know, in private practice, you often help on one part of the transaction or one part of the project. Um, and I really wanted to be part of um, the strategic side, the business side, you know, what is why the business is doing what they're doing. And, you know, you do see a lot of that in private practice where you try to be commercially focused, but I wanted to just be embedded in, in the business. Um, and so that was one of the reasons um, for me. And I think another reason was that um, I'd started to think about what I was passionate about and I knew that I was passionate about education. And so I started taking steps down the route of looking at ed tech companies. Um, so when I did leave um, Ashurst to do some legal contracting, you know, I was trying to work out how to get into the ed tech space. Um, and it was quite difficult, to be honest. Um, there were lots, I wouldn't say there were lots of opportunities. There were opportunities, but none of them felt like the right fit um, for me. So then I did, did some more soul searching. <laughs> and, you know, I've always just wanted to be part of a company that helps people, helps the world. But I always felt, you know, like a dream or something that would just be too good to be true. 
enter <laughs> DeepMind, who amazingly also do stuff in the education space. So, so that was one, one reason as well, because of that passion. And then the last reason I would say is that just that I, I wanted a different pace of life. You know, I was thinking about my future and with my husband and how I wanted my life to be when I had kids. And I think many people in private practice manage their family life well alongside um, the different pressures. But it is common knowledge that private practice can be longer hours, a little bit less flexible or a little bit um, unpredictable, uh, more so than in-house. And it's not to say that in-house doesn't have long hours or doesn't have unpredictability. But for me, I thought that an in-house move would help me to manage the kind of things that I wanted um, for my future and for my family. Well, that's great. I think the one thing that really does strike me about what you've just said was really the importance of meaningful work and feeling a level of passion about not only what you do, but who you do it with and who you do it for. Certainly, it sounds like, based on what you've told us about DeepMind, that um, you're off to a very good start in that respect. So, I mean, that's fantastic to hear. Um, moving on to our next question then, uh, and just touching a bit on, I suppose, challenges that you mentioned. I mean, do you think, what do you think are the benefits and challenges of moving in-house, but particularly for young female lawyers? I think that some of the benefits and challenges that I'll mention, I, I don't think that they're necessarily specific to, to gender, just because of how the world has changed and the desires of, of different people. But I do think that uh, benefits and challenges that I'll mention will, will be relevant to, to young female lawyers. So, as I said, you know, if it is for you, the different pace of life. And I think also what can be a benefit, um, depending on the type of person you are, is that it can be less rigid in structure. So in private practice, um, as you know, you know, you, you qualify and you're an associate, then you're a senior associate, um, and then hopefully you go on to be a partner. Um, and I think in in-house, in some instances, there's more room to kind of make the role for yourself um, or, or make a role for yourself. And I think if I think about challenges, you know, some of the benefits can be a challenge depending on, on who you are. So variety, um, it's great that you have variety, but it means that you can't stay in your comfort zone. You know, it means that you have to deal with new challenges, you know, on almost a daily basis. Um, and I think it can be quite hard. We can get a bit of whiplash from dealing. I think, you know, in-house, in different organisations, sometimes the legal team can be seen as, a legal blocker or, or a blocker to, to, to the business um, and you know what I really love about uh, DeepMind is that the legal team is is seen as a business enabler you know we we will obviously have a look at the risks you know but we really want to be proactive to find ways to meet meet the business goals and um, I think that it can be quite hard to shift from the maybe private practice mindset where Sometimes it, you are essentially looking for risk and it's very risk focused. Um, and so it can be hard to switch from that to how do we just get this goal done? How do we make sure this company can, can, can do this? Um, and then probably the last thing is structure again. I think that can be a benefit um, because, you know, it's not as rigid, but also, some people like the structure. They like that they know that in a few years they'll be senior associate and then they'll move on to, to partner track. 
Um, so I think that could be a challenge depending on the type of person um, that you are. And, you know, when you're a legal counsel in-house, um, there's no real differentiation between how qualified you are. You know, you could be legal counsel and you could be just qualified or <laughs> eight years PQE. So if if that matters to you and, and maybe status and your title matters, that could be a challenge. That's very interesting. I, I, what strikes me is that the benefits and the challenges that you have mentioned are very similar to what I would almost say are the benefits and challenges of being in practice, but just in a slightly different way, um, which I mean is very interesting and I mean just strikes me really. So I think before we um, move on to the next or our last question one more question um in this section so if you um, knew you couldn't fail what issue um, facing young female lawyers today would you tackle and why yeah um this is a hard one i think personal to me i would love to work out and tackle the issue of how do i be an ambitious lawyer who loves my job and also be a family-oriented person that can pick up her children from school most days, no matter where you go, private practice, in-house, it's difficult. And yeah, so if I couldn't fail, if the point is that I couldn't fail and I could tackle that issue, that would what? That, that would be what I would tackle. <laughs> I mean, it's such an interesting question, right? Because I think generally as lawyers, we are ambitious um, to begin with right and yeah, yeah. we uh, I suppose to a large extent really as females do want it all and I've often found myself um, kind of wondering can you really have it all right mm. probably not but then how do you get as close to that as <laughs> yeah. you would want to right I mean I, I, I certainly don't have the answer but uh, I mean that's an excellent one to tackle <laughs> let's do it <laughs> <laughs> all right so last question then for you Shanice do you think in-house teams approach tech differently to practice teams in practice I suppose from what I've seen in-house there is a lot of focus on finding the best tools to increase um, efficiency and I think I think this is also the view in private practice but I think in private practice, it can be really hard to find that one tool because all, you know, a, a myriad of tools, myriad of tools, because you're working with so many different clients and those tools have to be compatible for each of them and comfortable for each of them. But what I would say is, you know, the high volume of the different types of tasks um, in, in house and the, the fact that you're less likely to have a secretary, less likely to have someone to help with admin tasks means that we need really 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 need good tools um, that create efficiencies and tools that allow you to collaborate with all of the different functions of the business easily so I, I think that yeah there's a maybe a, a bigger push for that because of the, the lack of help with, with admin and, and also because of it's just more possible to have a tool that works for this company and this company alone. Whereas, as I said, in private practice, it's got to work for all of the stakeholders. 
Well, I, I mean, that takes us to um, the end of the questions. So just again, thank you so much for joining us. It's been wonderful to not only see you again, but speak to you. Um, it, it's certainly been a very interesting discussion. Um, so thanks again. No worries. Thank you. It's been great time with you. Thank you for listening to our special mini-series on Women in Tech. If you enjoyed this episode and don't want to miss the rest of this mini-series, please subscribe to our show's Legal Outlook wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, feel free to leave us a rating or review. If you'd like to find out more about Ashurst's digital economy practice, please visit www.ashurst.com. In the meantime, thanks very much for listening and goodbye for now. If you enjoy Ashurst Legal Outlook, why not check out our other two podcast series as well? Ashurst Business Agenda tackles the big strategic issues that business leaders face. And ESG Matters at Ashurst reveals how business leaders are rising to mounting environmental, social and governance challenges. You can listen and subscribe to Business Agenda and ESG Matters wherever you get your podcasts.